Good morning and welcome for our Bible reading this morning. And our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, verse 1, all the way to verse 8. And I read, Thus says the Lord, Maintain justice and do what is right. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast. Who keeps the Sabbath and not profaning it and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and all fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners would join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it. And all fast my covenant, this I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my hours of prayer, their burnt offerings, and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers an outcast, uh, who gathers the outcast of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for the precious gift of your word. We ask now that as your word is interpreted, it might speak to each one of us. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this month, Knox is finally re-entering our sanctuary, albeit in a limited way, we are re-entering our sanctuary, and we're doing it in two ways. One way we're re-entering our sanctuary is that we have installed live streaming equipment, and as of Sunday, May 2nd, we are finally employing that regularly. It allows those of you who are joining us from your homes, joining us remotely to do so in a new fashion where we can participate in worship together, join in praising God live in the same moment together. We're thrilled to be able to welcome people into the sanctuary virtually now. But a second way that we've welcomed people into the sanctuary is finally opening our doors physically to people who might feel comfortable actually sitting in a pew to worship God. We look forward to that day. We'll be able to sing as well. In the meantime, it is still wonderful to be gathered in person as well as 
online one people. And so during this time when we are gathered together in a sanctuary, virtually and in person, it seemed like a great opportunity to ask, what is a space like this for? Why do we gather? What's the purpose of a sanctuary like this one? What's God's intention for a space like this one? Well, Two weeks ago, we looked at the book of Ezra and that book's presentation of a space of worship, the ancient temple that was getting rebuilt as a gathering space for God's people to worship. Sanctuary, as with the ancient temple, can be a great gathering space for God's people to worship. Last week, we looked at a text from Deuteronomy where we saw God's word lifted up as a precious gift and proclaimed to generations a sanctuary, a church building like this one can be a wonderful form of proclaiming the gift of God's word to generations. Today, we look at a third great purpose for a sanctuary like this one. A purpose summed up in the words from Isaiah 56. My house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. My house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. A sanctuary. It is to be a space for worship, a place to proclaim the gift of God's word for generations, and it is to be a house of prayer for all peoples. People Now, as Christians, when we hear that phrase, a house of prayer for all people, it immediately calls to our minds the words of Jesus as recorded in Mark's gospel. They're recorded just after Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves at the Jerusalem temple back in his day to explain his actions, to describe why he was driving out those who were buying and selling in the temple or rather just outside the temple. Jesus quotes the passage from Isaiah that William read this morning. He says, it is, not, is it not written, my house shall be a house of prayer for all people? And so if we want to know what our Lord's intention would be, what He would want us to use a sacred place like this for, what He wanted the ancient Jerusalem temple to be used for, it's worth pausing and pondering those words of Jesus that point back to Isaiah 56, my house shall be a house of prayer for all people. That was the vision that animated Jesus. But what does it mean to be a house of prayer for all people? How do we live that out as a church? What does it mean to have a sanctuary serve that grand function? Well, let's start with the first part of that phrase, a house of prayer for all people. Let's start with a house of prayer. What is prayer? Well, the Hebrew word for prayer that is used in the text from Isaiah is tefillah, tefillah. This is the classic Hebrew word for prayer. But in the book of Psalms, at the end of Psalm 72, all of the Psalms that precede, that lead up to 72 are described at the close of Psalm 72 as tefillah, as prayers. And so if we want to get a sense of what prayer looked like back in the time of Jesus, of what prayer looked like back for the, in the time of ancient Israel, the ancient people of Judah, a great place to look is to the Psalms described at the end of Psalm 72 as tefillah. 
and in the Psalms. We read of people pouring their hearts out to God in joy or in sorrow, in delight or in anger, in fear or in tranquility. We hear long and elaborate conversations with God in the book of Psalms. And often in the Psalms, a transformation occurs in the conversation. Take Psalm 22. It begins with the words Jesus quotes on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It begins with a person crying out to God for help and deliverance. But then as the psalm proceeds, the one praying reflects on God's goodness in the past, on how God had been a protector and deliverer of God's people. And then by the time we get to the end of Psalm 22, the person who'd been praying that psalm has clearly come on a journey and they are affirming by the psalm's end that God rules over all creation, that God is Lord of all. The prayers in the book of Psalms so often describe that kind of a journey where a person comes bringing what is in their heart before God and in this conversation with God, they are brought to some kind of transformation or change. The Psalms we find as we read them in Scripture change the person praying. They take them on a journey of transformation. Prayer can do that. It can change us. And it seems like this pandemic has led a host of people to prayer, the kind of prayer that can transform them, the kind of prayer where you bring your heart and soul to God and find yourself changed by a deep conversation with the living God. It's led many to cry out as Psalm 22 does, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are things so hard? It led many to say with Psalm 22, obstacles, enemies, and threats, they assault me from every side. It's led some to wonder with words like those of Psalm 10, why do the wicked prosper? Why are the poor so oppressed? It has also led some people to say with the words of Psalm 25, we sink down to the dust, our bodies cling to the earth. But the pandemic has also led some to appreciate the good things that they too often took for granted before, health, family, friends, community, the goodness of the earth, God's presence in the midst of the storm. Some have been led, like the writer of Psalm 9, to say, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. They found, as Psalm 34 puts it, I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's nothing like being surrounded by death as we have been in this pandemic. There's nothing like losing your job as many have in this pandemic or faced a health challenge as many have in this pandemic or faced isolation as many have in this pandemic to prompt you to seek God and going to God with our sorrows, with our needs, crying out to God, talking to God. You're changed. You become a new person. 
The New York Times recently profiled people whose lives were dramatically changed by the pandemic. And one of those was Joelle Wright Taylor. She describes how the pandemic changed her and how a crucial part of her transformation was prayer, the kind of prayer we see in the Psalms. Wright Taylor is 47, is a 47-year-old hospice chaplain from Clint Township, Michigan. In the spring of 2020, she and her husband both developed a terrible cough. They learned they had caught COVID-19. She developed a fever of 104. Her husband drove her to the hospital, and thankfully she says he was able to drive her back by the end of the day. But that night, he drove himself to the hospital. He already suffered from type 1 diabetes. As he left, or rather right before he left, he told the boys to take care of their mom. A couple days later, the doctors put her husband on oxygen, and a few days later, the family FaceTimed him to say how good a husband and father he was and how much they loved him. A few days later, he passed. Joelle Wright Taylor then got sicker and sicker herself and wondered if she would die, that after losing her husband, she might follow him, and she wondered what her boys would do if that happened. She told the New York Times the only thing that got her through that period was Psalm 57. Psalm 57, she clung to. The words of that psalm became her prayer. That psalm begins, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until the destroying storm passes by. COVID-19, she says, changed her. She had wrestled with cancer before. She'd had surgeries, but she'd never faced an enemy, a kind of a warfare of her body that she found in COVID-19. It attacked her mind, she said, her body, every part of her. She'd never sought God so profoundly as she did once she lost her husband and then suffered through COVID. When she finally did recover, she sought direction from God as to what to do next. She looked over her husband's business dealings. Her husband had been a small business owner making gravestones and monuments. She noted a hundred orders that were still unfilled, many for gravestones for people lost to COVID-19. She prayed over that stack of orders. And she felt by God led to do something new. She went to her savings to try to keep this business and her husband's legacy going. Now she and her boys are in the gravestone business. She found herself strengthened by the testimonies of widows who would come seeking her help. And not only would she help them get a gravestone, she would sit with them as together they grieved loss, comforted one another, and on some occasions even looked to God in their sadness. Today, Wright Taylor, Wright Terry says, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I'm not sure how I would have made it. She serves as a volunteer minister at her church and says COVID helped her to realize what was most important. Those around her, her loved ones, her friends, her church, and her God. The pandemic has led so many of us 
to prayer. And I love to think of this sanctuary as a place that people can come to pray, to have the kind of encounter with God, the deep, life-changing conversation with God that, that right Terry herself knew, where they can find in the words of Psalm, like Psalm 57, words that they can pray, and in praying they are transformed, discover God's calling on their lives, know they are loved and accompanied in this moment, know that there are others with them in the journey. I hope this sanctuary for those joining us virtually and in person can be a house of prayer, the kind of prayer we see in the Psalms. But I want to look now with you at the second part of that great phrase that Jesus points to in the words of Isaiah 56. He notes that sanctuaries like this, that the ancient Jerusalem temple especially, was called not simply to be a house of prayer, but a house of prayer for all people, for all people. Well, what does all people mean? Well, Isaiah 56 cites two categories of people that, that often presumed they were not welcome to that great house of prayer called the Jerusalem temple back in the time when Isaiah 56 was written. Those two categories of people who often felt separated or that they didn't belong were foreigners and eunuchs, foreigners and eunuchs. And they had reason for that presumption. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verses 1 through 3, those who had their sex organs cut or altered, that is eunuchs, and those who were a part of particular foreign people that were considered enemies to the Hebrew people, such as the Ammonites or Moabites, those two categories of people were excluded, as were those who were part of intermarriages with certain foreign peoples. The idea of such exclusions was to try to maintain the distinctive identity of a people chosen by God for a particular purpose. But these exclusions from Deuteronomy chapter 23, Isaiah 56 notes, could threaten to keep out people who may have committed their lives to God, who may have upheld justice and righteousness as revealed in the Ten Commandments, who may have been committed to loving and serving God, and yet because they were a member of a foreign nation, say they were a Moabite, or because they were a member of a group of people whose sexuality or unusual gender identity placed them in the minority, say they were eunuchs, they were excluded. We read in the book of Ezra that around the time that former residents of Jerusalem and Judah had returned from exile in Babylon, around the time the Jewish temple was getting rebuilt, some believed that the exclusionary practices of Deuteronomy 23 verses 1 through 3 should be reinstated. After all, it was a time to recapture a distinctive identity of a people that had been dispersed in exile and that were called and claimed by God for a special purpose. But then we get 
today's passage from Isaiah 56, which scholars tell us was also speaking to that time where God's people, former residents of Judah and Jerusalem, had returned, were returning to Jerusalem and Judah where the temple was getting rebuilt, and they were reimagining what it meant to be God's gathered people after a time of exile. And in today's passage from Isaiah 56, the vision of that regathered community is not about whether one comes from a particular nation or people group. And the vision's not about whether one fits into the majority when it comes to gender or sexual identity. The vision is one of broad welcome. Those groups who might feel called out and excluded, foreigners and eunuchs, if they seek to love and serve the Lord, they were welcome to the house of prayer. For a great sacred space, of God, space for God's people like the temple was to be, our Savior said, quoting Isaiah 56, a house of prayer for all people. In Jesus' day, money changers and those selling doves were profiting on exclusionary practices that preyed especially on the poor. They were participating in a system that said only if you buy the right dove to sacrifice, only if you can pay the proper temple tax will you be welcome to this house. No, Jesus says, quoting Isaiah 56, is it not written, my house shall be a house of prayer for all people? Well, I pray this might be a house of prayer for all people reflecting the grand vision of Isaiah 56, I pray our doors might be open wide, virtually and in person, to people who seek to love and serve the Lord, whatever their background or culture, race or ethnicity, gender identification or sexual identity, that here, those who seek to hear and be transformed by God's Word, here, those who yearn to practice covenant faithfulness, obedience to God's call and commandments, that those who seek to love and serve the Lord might find here a place to pray. And I pray they, we, might be changed by prayer. We will not be the people we were before God spoke to us. We will be transformed, but I pray our doors are open wide for such an encounter that all might know by God's work in Christ, they, we, are called children of God. All might know they are welcome and forgiven and the God made known in Christ and all will be known we are invited into the community of faith and sent out to be His servants and proclaim the good news in the world. Maria Judith Alvarez Quiroz knows what it's like to feel excluded and she knows what it's like to be transformed by prayer. She's another that was profiled in the series from the New York Times on those changed by the pandemic. Maria is originally from Mexico but moved with her husband to the United States some 15 years ago. Now she lives in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. She'd been a doctor in Mexico, but in moving to the United States, she was not able to find work in the U.S. as a health care assistant and struggled even to find work at all as an immigrant. Still, she and her husband made ends meet. By 2019, she had a good job, and she and her husband were finally living on their own. Their lives then changed in December of 2019 when she lost her job. 
Her husband was also unemployed. The new year 2020, Maria sought counseling for depression. And then she got a new job as a physician's assistant. But in March of 2020, her husband became ill with a serious lung condition and he would not recover. When he passed, Maria lost weight and said the hospital bills, they nearly killed her. She would take a shower, think of her husband, and she would start to cry. And then she went to God in prayer. She says that when she was little, she fought with God. She grew up with a foot condition that greatly hindered her mobility, and she would yell at God like with the words of Psalm 22. She would cry out, why, God, why can't I play or run or jump or dance like other kids? When her husband died, those feelings of anger at God and frustration, they all came back. But then she says she forgave God. She doesn't fight with God anymore. She was brought on a journey in prayer. In fact, as she prayed, she began to have new thoughts. She felt God leading her to these conclusions. She thought, I have hands. I have work I can do. And if I can help people, that will be good. I am able to earn money to take care of my son and my family and my parents in Mexico. After the pandemic, Maria says, I've decided to forgive everyone I can, to forgive everyone I can, treat them like family, brothers and sisters. Life is just too short. You can't go around with resentment in your heart, she says. The Latino community has suffered quite a bit with COVID-19, she noted, in part because of fear of getting deported. I'd like to be a leader in my community, she says, to work with others and resolve the inequities of society. Praise God, and what a great calling to come to in prayer. Prayer changes you. It can bring forgiveness to your heart as you discover you are forgiven by God, the God we know in Christ. It can help you identify a call, a passion like helping others or resolving inequities in society or passing on the good news of Jesus Christ. It can allow you to bring the suffering you bear and present it to God who is with us in the storm every step of the way. May this sanctuary be a place where all people are welcome to that kind of encounter with God, whatever their background or immigration status. They, may they find here a space where God's love for them and claim on their lives might be known more deeply. May this truly be a space as Isaiah 56 imagined it, as Jesus imagined it. May it be a house of prayer for all people, a grand house of prayer for all people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen.